everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. This is The Drive <laughs> with Larry Hardesty. No yelling on the bus. It's a different type of audience on the bus, on the drive, in the postseason. Not the usual folks who are yelling and screaming and just upset. A lot of second guessing going on. The bus here. Welcome to a wild card weekend edition of The Drive here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty, 1-800-919-3776. Also hit me up on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7FM along with JP. We're here until 9 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN. So we are winding down to the first half of the second game of today's triple header. And we've got the Niners with a 16-7 lead over Dallas at halftime. And I'm going to be honest with you. The way San Francisco was able to run the football in the first half, in the first quarter is the way that I would have continued to try to run it and not go away from it. Now, I understand you have to be versatile. Okay, I understand that you have to be, you know, that you're not being one-dimensional, that you're just going to rely on the run and rely on the run and rely on the run. But I got to be honest, the way they ran the ball on the first drive, I don't see why you go away from it. A little more play action. But listen, if you're the 49ers, you're happy. You're up 16-7 on the road in a playoff game, in a place where Dallas has played very, very well, especially offensively. Now, going in, you understood that Dallas has issues on the ground, right? Their, Their pass defense has been very good. Because they're a turnover machine. They force turnovers. Their secondary has done a really good job in getting interceptions and fumble recovery. So they've done a nice job there. And that's kind of saved their defense a little bit. But against the run, they've had issues. And so I was very curious to see how the Niners was going to attack. And they were able to run the football. And I thought I'd see maybe a little bit more play action and whatnot. But give Dallas some credit. They made some adjustments. So now the question is going to be, Which team will make the better adjustments at halftime coming back out? Dallas. This is a this is a big game for them. I mean, Larry, duh. But I mean, when your owner, as JP and I were talking before the show, when your owner says Super Bowl or bust, and you're down 16-7 in the first game, in the wild card game at home, where you have And CBS did the numbers, right? You've been a juggernaut offensively. you got to be a little concerned about what's going on right now. You just do. So I'm very curious to see what happens in that second half. Uh, In the first half, Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 of 14, 133 yards, uh, nine and a half yards per pass play. And for Dak Prescott, nine of 16, 89 yards, 5.6 yards per pass play and a touchdown the big touchdown to Amari Cooper. And you know what? That was a huge play because Dallas needed that score there. They did because they were being outplayed. And so for me, listen, it's the playoffs. Threes are important. I don't say that you don't take, you pull threes off the board. That's not what I'm saying, but you got to get sevens. All right. Because you've kept Dallas in this game. All right. This really, the Niners should be up. At least twenty-three. All right, so you don't get you don't get sevens all the time, but they've gotten three field goals. One of those should be seven. 
So if it's seven, if, if it's twenty three seven now, it's a little different look, right, on how these uh, this game is going to be. So we'll keep an eye on it for you as they come out of the second half, and uh, we'll take you to the end of that game. At 8 o'clock, the former Giant, Jay Bromley, will join us. He'll give us his thoughts on what's happened during Wild Card Weekend, and uh, we'll get his professional opinion on what's been going on. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll turn our attention to the New York Knicks. Jamie Harris from the Amsterdam News will stop by the drive and talk about the latest Knicks acquisition and what's going on with this team that looks a little better over their past couple of games. Let's talk about the earlier game today, though. Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. It looked 31-15 would give you the impression that this was a reasonably close game. Do not be fooled by the score. This was not a reasonably close game. Tampa dominated this game. They did. And uh, Philly had nothing to do, couldn't get anything going offensively until late. They need some more playmakers. There's no question about it. Uh, they have to decide what they're going to do at quarterback. I- I'm not sure about Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's not the answer, but I'm just not sure if he is the answer or not. I think they need an upgraded quarterback or they need to cha- do some things where you can highlight him. Listen, I know they love his ability to use his legs. They love his ability to move around, extend plays, get plays on the you know on the RPO. So that that's what they do, and that's what they do well. I think they need another couple of playmakers, though, if they're going to continue that way. They need another big-time wide receiver that they can count on. All right? Uh, that That's what's going to be the difference for them. But listen, uh, if Tampa continues this success, and the defense played very well today. Now, they got I think they got a little lazy. You took your foot off the gas pedal a little bit as all the – you know, sayings come into play when you're up 31 nothing. Clearly, you're, it's it's hard to keep that engine revved at that speed when you know that it's 31 nothing and it's the fourth quarter and they're not really coming back. And they haven't done anything against you all, all game. So Todd Bowles, as a coach, is going to get on his guys and got to play 48 minutes, you know, the whole 60, 60 minutes, rather. You got to play 60 minutes, you know, the whole spiel that coaches give you. But if his defense continues to play well, he's already had an interview with Minnesota. And I agree with the tweet Rich Samini had earlier today. I would like to see him get another chance at the head coaching job. Because I thought his first year with the Jets, he did a really good job. Then you had change coaches, you know, offense coordinator change, you know, all the stuff that goes on here. But I thought his first year, all right, they were went away from being in the playoffs. Unfortunately, they lost to a Rex Ryan Bills team twice that year, twice that season. As Rex had psyched his players up to just, you know, go against the Jets and make sure they beat them. But I would like to see him get another head coaching opportunity. I really would. And he's going on some interviews. Uh, Also, uh, Byron Lefkowitz, I'd like to see him get some too. What he's been able to do, and listen, I know there's going to be some people who are going to say, well, it's got Tom Brady. I mean, you know, Tom Brady is the GOAT. Tom Brady is this. Tom Brady is that. How tough is it to call a game game plan when you've got Tom, Gray, Tom Brady? I mean, it's just, listen, he was doing pretty good before Tom Brady got there. Okay? He, he is an up-and-coming coach in this league, and I'd like to see him get some, some uh, opportunities to do some interviews for a head coaching job too. And we'll discuss that one day because right now there's only one African-American head coach in the National Football League. And it is just amazing to me because I've been doing this 
for a number of years, and I remember having a conversation about this same topic right before Art Shell became the first African-American head coach in the modern era of the National Football League with the Raiders. So, and that was a few years ago. And we find ourselves right back there. So, and I don't know that the Rooney rule, the way it's constituted, is really going to be the way to go. Even though they've mandated, they've upgraded it that you have to have two, you have to interview two minority candidates as a head coach, and I believe general manager as well, before you make a decision. So at least they're trying to, they notice that it's not really working and they're trying to put more teeth into it. And I get that you really can't tell people who you're hiring when you own the team. I get that. I understand it plainly. But there's got to be a way where either there is a better way to explain yourself. There's a better way to do the interview process. There's got to be something that changes because I refuse to believe that there have been so many great head coaches in this league throughout its history, okay, whom have coached African-American and other minority players. And you can't tell me that they have not taught these players anything that would allow them to prove that they can be leaders of men. In other words, I just believe that these, these great players who we hear all the time, this guy's going to be a great coach. Or you can see what he brings to the table. You can see all this. You can see the lineage. You can see what he learned from this coach and that coach and this coach. You mean to tell me that nothing has rubbed off on any of these players that you would be able to give them more opportunities? As coordinators, you see what they bring to the table. You see that they're around great head coaches and they're not able to get the opportunity to fail on more than one occasion. It's just hard for me to believe. So hopefully things will turn around. We'll see what happens. The Drive on 9870 ESPN. And who we lost earlier this week. Great musician, great activist, great broadcaster, who had a show along with the late great Bob Slade on this frequency when it was KISS FM and then along when they moved to WBLS, another African-American heritage station in the city. He will sorely be missed. I'm telling you, 2022, ladies and gentlemen, when you talk about people leaving here, has been unbelievable so far the first couple of weeks. It really has. 1-800-919-3776. Off to the phones we go. Let's start with Spike in St. Pete. Spike, you're up first on The Drive. Well, thank you. May rest in peace. And when Vaughn Harper, uh, who I went to high school with, passed uh, another wonderful human being, as Bob Slade was. Listen, Listen, this is what happens, man. They're coming too fast, Larry. Yeah. You true. know, there's the, the sand in the hourglass. So, so I was telling Jacob, uh, my radio family's blessed me and made me feel wonderful. And I try to give back a little bit, and I'm going to try and give back a little bit tonight. So, so just all the blessings in the family. Just do the best you can. And, uh, 
You know, get some blocking up front. That's all you could do, man. That's all you could do. You just don't do anything stupid. And I don't mean it personally. So here's what I watched today. I watched Tom Brady, and I don't know football like I know who. So I'm going to be real quick because I know people want to talk to you. Brady looked about 60, 70%. Yeah, he's a quirky guy, and, and boy, is he great. And he maintains it. He gets annoyed if a guy stops running. You know the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Played about 60, 70%. It was a mismatch. It was. And, and Jalen Hurts, it was a good first go at it. When the pressure was off, he showed something. It just didn't belong. A quick question for you, and then two comments, and I'll let you go. And, mm-hmm. and again, a pleasure. Listen, do they receive in football? So, so Tampa Bay does pays the winner of this game, or they play Green Bay. How does it work? Who do they play? They will. They they play the winner of this game. Okay, that's what I thought. Now, yeah. now I don't know it off the top. You will. So, uh, did Tampa Bay have a better record than both of them, or it goes to the better record? I'm assuming where no, they Green play, Bay correct? had the better record. Green Bay had the better record. You mean of these two? uh, They had, yeah, I think they had better record than both. Or the the time with, I have to look again. I have to look again, Spike. They might be close with Dallas. They might have the same record as Dallas. Um, So tiebreakers, okay. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Because it's 6 o'clock this morning. I thought this rented house that we're leaving in two weeks was going to fall apart. There was a thunderstorm here. That was ridiculous. And tornado warnings, but uh, Brady did fine. He's a perfectionist. You can't take anything away from him. He's lost some. You know, it was a mismatch. So mm-hmm. I don't know. San Francisco came out. You know, you can't jump shock uh, right or come out there going fifty to nothing. But uh, it's interesting, and we'll see. I still don't know with my football knowledge which is the best team yet. People are saying Green Bay. People are saying Kansas City. Buffalo embarrassed uh, the other team when he didn't play well in cold weather. Let's watch it and enjoy it. So the games will not all be riveting. You know know how it goes. So one quick quick basketball comment because I got you. Mm -hmm. I told Jacob, and we're diehard Knicks fans, it looks like the Knicks defensively, and I know it's a football show, so one quick comment and you'll, you'll really please me. They look like they made a defensive adjustment. Do you see it? Yes. Okay. Do you see Barrett taking finally taking a pull-up 12-footer? Yes. Okay. And do you see that? Forget Julius Randle. Just forget him for a second. This mm-hmm. kid Grimes looks like he, you know, he's going to make the first shot for 30 years, but that's not going to happen. There's a plethora of people finally, and I think that the management of the Knicks, and I know you'll get to this writer in a minute, and thanks for the time, They'll make some decisions. They, I don't think they'll make a mistake. I don't think they will. And from what I've seen, it still looks to me like uh, I just the Kyrie Irving thing, I'm not going to get into it all the time. I don't want to. I don't think Brooklyn can win without him. I think Milwaukee's still the best team, and Golden State's a pleasure to watch. So I'll leave you with that, and I'll talk to you. Just let me know when you're on this week with all these games. And I'd love to hear before I get off. What did you see today with, with Tampa Bay? And I'll listen on the stream. Am I accurate? You're accurate, Spike. And thanks for the phone call, my friend. What what I saw was them overcoming the fact that they have people missing. Okay, them overcoming the fact that, you know, uh, despite his quirkiness and his and his inability to have to stay on the field because of off field issues and sometimes on field issues. Antonio Brown's a heck of a receiver, and he has a nice rapport with uh, Tom Brady. 
and they're missing another receiver, okay? And they're missing another running back. And they did not have Fournette back. So they still don't have all their weapons back. They got a couple of weapons back defensively, and that certainly helped Todd Bowles. And you're right, but they made the adjustment using the weapons that they had. As the level of competition increases and gets better, they're going to have to do some things to find a way to, you know, get probably uh, uh, the big fella more involved. Okay, and and I think Philly did a nice job at uh, you know, at keeping him at bay, but but they're going to have to do they're going to have to find a way to get because he's he's the matchup, right? He he's the one that. That, you know, nobody wants to deal with Gronkowski. You know, they, they did a decent job keeping them away from him, but that's the difference. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the basketball in the second spike when we have uh, when we have Jamie Harris on. Uh, Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. You know, we had all Russ Jr. Then we morphed into Spencer Christian. Then we morphed into Dave Sims. Hmm. Then we provided an outlet for Billy Taylor. Mm-hmm. Then OG Bill Dorkey came along. Yeah. You know, Legend. and uh, we got Otis Livingston currently. Yeah. But my fave is Uncle Larry Hardesty. What a guy. <laughs> what a man. Love to talk to you, man. You know that? Appreciate you. Love you so much, man. Thank you. Love Thank you so much, man. For real. You know, you're talking about M2, man. You know, um, wow. You want to talk about having done some things. Played. On stage for Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everybody knows Juicy. He's been sampled 1,001 times. But he also wrote Never Knew Love Like This for Stephanie Mills. That's right. And also, uh, you know, one of my favorites, Back Together Again with Brother mm-hmm. Flack and Donnie mm-hmm. Hathaway. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Fact, man. Rest oh, yeah. in peace, man. What a, what a talented person. Genius. And like you said, an activist as well. Genius. Mm-hmm. Genius. Genius, like you said. All right. With the NFL... Um, you know, watching that Bucks Eagles game, you know, it, it, it's really clear that the NFL needed an extra season game plus an extra playoff team. What a disaster that was. You know, Jalen Hurst just played himself right out of that starting job in Philly. There's no way they could bring him back. You know, um, Grand Puba had a great song in the 90s called 360 Degrees, what goes around, comes around. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just want to, you know, Throw the peace sign out there to McDermott, Josh Allen, and the rest of the Buffalo Bills for giving New England the treatment Ooh. that they gave to the Jets twice. Ooh. Couldn't happen to a better guy than Bill Belichick, I'll tell you mm-hmm. that much. Absolutely. You know, for real. But lastly, though, know, you know, what you opened up with, with the topic about the NFL head coaches and coaches of color, minority, black, Latino, whichever one you would like to say. You know, the GM situation and the head coach situation, they are what they are in the NFL, and they're going to stay, you know, status quo, as long as the focus remains on them. You know, or he didn't interview well, we don't know these guys, and all that other coded language that we've been listening to for the last forever. The NFL knows that they have, I would say at least, five to six putrid owners. We have one of them in this town. Putrid owners have no idea what it's like to run a successful team, don't necessarily have the passion to run a successful team, uh, you know, tampering with witnesses in, 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 in sexual assault cases, doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, to call it a spade, you know, no pun intended, things is going to remain that way 
as long as you allow those people to own these teams. You're not changing anything with the coaching or the GMs if you attach it to the individual. There's a process, and when things go go right, it's usually not individual. It's organizational. So as long as the focus is on all these other peripherals, none of that stuff is going to change. You take care, and like I said, my brother, love you to death, man. All right, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Always good talking to you. Uh, let's go to Ira in Staten Island. Ira, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's happening? How are you? Hey, Ira, what's going on? All good, all good. Just uh, watching some of these playoff games and uh, listening to Spike and Buddha. And, you know, it, 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 Buddha's right, man. You know, this 17th game and <laughs> the extra playoff thing, I know it's all about money. It's a business. But, you know what, so far, it hasn't been an impressive playoff weekend. Bengal Raider game was good if it wasn't for the officials. Yeah. But, you know, last night was, you know, I want to see a competitive game. And, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, they clearly out, even shorthanded, they clearly outclassed the Eagles. You know, San Francisco looks like they're going to figure out a way to win this game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think tonight's going to be much of a game. And, uh, I quite agree. frankly, I think it's really going to come down to probably the Packers and either the Bills and the Chiefs. But, you know, it's just they're watering down the product, and I don't know if you agree with me. It just, just you can't have 14 out of 32 teams in the playoffs. You know, football wasn't meant to be played that way. I understand that you want competition, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous, and it also shows that, you know what, uh, you need to. These are the pretend. These are the teams that look like they can get by, but they don't belong. And when you play the better competition it shows that you don't belong it just and that's what you're seeing today and i must admit i did not expect buffalo to do that to new england last night i expected them to win i did not expect them to score in seven seven touchdowns on seven possessions and that is shocking and you know what i I don't know how belichick lives that down i I don't know how he does No, neither do I. I just hope we don't open with the Patriots because they're <laughs> going to take it out on somebody. But, you, you know, you, you know what? I don't know if you're going you're to feel the same way. Early on, it looked like the Bills didn't want any part of that cold weather. I know. They looked something? timid. They looked like they didn't want to hit anybody. I'm not doing what I mean. Yeah. And it, it, just, it, it, it just, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the 2015 Jets up in Buffalo the last week mm-hmm. in frigid weather, and yeah. they didn't want any part of that cold weather. It was the same type of effort I saw out of the pack. That's scary. That's, that's a scary thought process, and not one you would expect from a Bill Belichick coach team. Not one you would expect from him. And so, um, nope. uh, you know, for him, and this is on the defense, okay? So this is, we, we, we're not, listen, Mac Jones maybe didn't have a great game. We get it. But what are you gonna? What's your play call when when the team marches down the field consistently and scores on you like that? And th- that defense is Belichick, Ira. That's him. That's on him. Yeah, no, yeah, you know, no. Dable and McDermott, they went, they went to town. And they to did. be honest with you, I never thought they'd come out swinging a ball like that in that type of weather conditions. But, but they, they got... did it. And Jimmy, look, look at Josh Allen. Look how many teams, including the Jets on Josh Allen, yeah. and he just fell into the Bills' lap at number seven. Just mm-hmm. amazing, right? It is. It is. And he is – Ira, always good talking to you, my friend. Thanks for the phone call. And he is built for, to play there. He's got. He's a tough quarterback. He can run the football. He's got. they got a good running game. He can run it. He has the strong arm, tight spiral, can pass to cut through the wind. 
I'm telling you. And their defense is very good. They they they're gonna give they're gonna give Kansas City a tough run. Whoever comes out of the whoever comes out, they're gonna give Kansas City a tough run. And and I I can't wait to see them with Tennessee. If they should happen to me, I would love to see that. Especially with Derrick Henry back. When we return, for those of you on hold, I want you to hang in there. We'll be joined by Jamie Harris. He is the sports editor of the Amsterdam News, and we're going to talk Nick basketball next. Let me tell you that everything is everything. Everything is everything. It's the drive on 987 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. We'll get back to the calls in a second. First, we have to chat with our guests. Just a quick update. Niners holding on to that 16-7 lead over the Cowboys in the third quarter, 7:44 left as uh, Niners about to punt the ball to the Cowboys. This next young man has been covering the Knicks for, well, I'll be kind, some years. He, I remember when he was just a reporter. Now he's the sports editor of the Amsterdam News, and he does a phenomenal job in covering the Knicks and the Giants and all the other pro teams in this town. Let's welcome in Jamie Harris to the drive here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Jamie. What's going on, Larry? And to use the uh, adjective young Larry, you are so kind. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, brother? How's everything? Everything is great, my friend. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. You All right, Jamie, I'm going to ask you, because you're at these games, uh, are these the real Knicks I've seen over the past couple of games, dominant against Dallas? Uh, went into Atlanta, did a nice job against Atlanta over the weekend. Uh, I know they're going to have a test tomorrow with Charlotte, by the way, in the game you can hear right here on 987 ESPN, the usual Dr. King uh, matinee game that happens every year on commemorating his birthday. But, Jamie, what, is this the real Knicks now? You know, Mike, I think you can look at the Knicks uh, through two different lens. Uh, you have to beat the teams that are in front of you. And I think it's, uh, it's imperative uh, that the Knicks beat uh, the teams they should beat. So over the last 11 games, Larry, the Knicks are 8-3, and, uh, and, and they played much better. But we have to also consider that uh, only one of the teams they beat uh, over those last 11 games uh, have a winning record. That was the Dallas Mavericks last week. Uh, the Celtics are at 522-22. So uh, they've had a favorable schedule. Uh, they won the games they needed to win, but uh, it's going to get much tougher and it's going to be a grind for this team. Because as we see, Larry, uh, you know, they, they've hovered uh, around 500. They've been under 500 and they've struggled to sustain uh, a record above 500 this season. And so and we can look at it from this standpoint as well. Last season at the same time, uh, the Knicks were 21 and 22, uh, one game under 500. Uh, this year, they're 22 and 21. So they have a comparable um, uh, record. Uh, nevertheless, they finished last season 20-9. and nine. Remember, last season was a 72-game schedule. Uh, to have that same run, Larry, they would have to finish 25-14. and 14. And so when you look at the schedule ahead, it, it's going to be very difficult. And another important factor, Larry, you know, in coming into the season, I, I said, and we talked about this, I said the Knicks potentially could be a better team than last year but finished lower in the standings because other teams have improved. Uh, Other teams who faced COVID issues, injuries last year, those teams have improved. And then you have teams like Cleveland uh, that have added talent uh, and that are on the rise. And so the Knicks were the fourth seed last year. Now they're the 10th seed. Uh, That's a product, again, you know, of some of the other teams in the league being much better than they were a year ago. 
There's no question about it. The Eastern Conference really got better, really has. And But I will say this, and, and you're right about the record, and this was the time that they needed to get fat, right, was to beat the teams, as you mentioned, you're supposed to beat. The thing I will say to you, Jamie, as what Nick fans are yelling is, but Jamie, they were losing to these guys too. <laughs> they were losing to the OKCs. They were losing to the Orlandos before. I just think when you look at them right now, it just seems as though, and for me, this is the key thing, they look to at least, at least, be a little better consistently defensively. They look to be, albeit against the competition, they look to be as though that they're not, people aren't as wide open as they were before. So these are the positive things, I think, if you're a Knicks fan that you say, well, listen, at least they got a shot if they can continue to play well defensively because as we both know, Jamie, because we know you're a baller from from, from way back, uh, offense comes and goes, but your defense stays the same. And I absolutely agree, Larry. And remember last year, they won games because they played at that phenomenal defense and they played harder than most teams, night in and nine out. Uh, and that's why I think Thibodeau was uh, deserving a coach of the year last season because he had that team playing hard every night. They were beating teams that were more talented because they were playing harder and the defensive, every, the defensive every, effort every night, Larry, uh, was at a high level. This year, as you said, you know, they struggled early defensively. Now they're coalescing and beginning to play better defense while the offense is catching up. One of the things they did in the offseason, which, uh, you know, certainly I don't know if I agree with that philosophy, you know, using analytics, the Knicks looked at having to improve their three-point shooting and improve their offense. Last year they were near the bottom of the league in offensive production. Uh, you know, part of that, too, was pace. They were the mm. slowest team in terms of pace last year uh, in the NBA, uh, which was, uh, you know, obviously the defense that, that correlates with the defense as well. You know, you're limiting other teams' possessions. Uh, nevertheless, I think that because they signed Fournier, because they signed Kimber looking to improve their offense, they sacrificed a lot on the defensive end early on. And now I think what you see is a more conscious and concerted effort to improve on the defensive end, and they have done that. And as you said, that has led to them winning games. Talking Knicks with Jamie Harris. He is the sports editor of the Amsterdam News. You're listening to The Drive here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. All right, Jamie. Cam Reddish, what could this do for this Nick team? It's it's a guy who uh, it seems like they got a bunch of guys that play the same position. That's the first thing that jumps into your mind. But if he is right and they're able to get him going, he's a 3 and D guy. He's a wing guy who can score and who can give you some offense. Absolutely. And I think, you know, most people uh, forget coming into Duke, uh, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, all McDonald's All-Americans, you know, all played together, all, you know, the AAU circuit. Cam Reddish was the projected number one pick in the NBA draft coming into Duke. Uh, He was surpassed, obviously, by Zion uh, and R.J. And, of course, John Moran was the number two pick. And so the talent and potential is there. Uh, I think there was a glut. And injuries, you know, uh, clearly uh, impacted him early on his first few years. And then you look at Atlanta, and they have so many players who play the same position, so it's very difficult for him to get the minutes. But we saw last year at the end of the season when he got healthy, particularly in the playoffs, the last playoff series against the Bucks uh, in the NBA uh, Eastern Conference Finals, we saw potentially what this young man can be. I think it was an excellent move. I think the Knicks have to look at getting athletic players, players who can play multiple positions, uh, and, and, and guys who uh, certainly can give you 
of uh, offense and defense, as we spoke about in the NBA, the value of two-way players, and I think Cam Riddish would be that. But you have to look at Larry getting minutes on this team. Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to crack the lineup initially and get consistent minutes. But as Tom Thibodeau's always say, play dictates that. So when he gets his minutes, if he shows that he's having an impact, then you'll see those minutes increase. Listen, Obi Toppin just raised his hand when you made that statement about trying to get some minutes <laughs> on this team. Yeah, he yeah he's 11th, 11th on the Knicks in average minutes played at 16.4. And so we're talking about the number eight pick. We saw someone who showed great promise uh, early in the season and in the summer league. But all of a sudden, Larry, we see those minutes reduce. And as I said, average minutes per game, he is 11th on the team right now. That's crazy because, you know, you see what he can do. And there's a there's a certain energy that he brings to the table, Jamie. Jamie, give me your thoughts about um, what we're seeing now from uh, the young man out of Kentucky, Emmanuel Quickly. He looks – they're putting him more and more into a point guard-type situation. Um is he handling it to your to your to your great eyes as you watch him? Is he getting better at handling and understanding that, you know, sometimes you have to pick where you score and make sure you get everybody else going? You know, Larry, and that's a, that's a great observation. And the Knicks, you know, looked at quickly over the summer and even last year, and they continue to work on his point guard skills. And he's put a lot of work in. The young man uh, is a hard worker, and so. Whatever comes of Emmanuel Coulter, we know it won't be because he's not working hard. Uh, but, you know, Larry, the point guard playing that position, it gives an innate feel and sense of playing that position. Mm-hmm. And I think that while he's, you know, put the work in, uh, he's still more of a, a combo guard, more of a scoring guard. Um, you know, he's been forced to play the position with Kimball Walker out. Uh, Kimball Walker hasn't played since December 29th. Uh, he's missed eight straight games. Uh, Derek Rose had ankle surgery, right ankle surgery on December 22nd. Uh, he won't be back. Uh, at least, Larry, they're going to evaluate him uh, toward the end of February, and that's an evaluation. So hmm. he may not be back until early March. And so he's been forced to play that position along with Alec Burke. Uh, I think he's done a, a decent job. But, again, that's why I believe the Knicks are certainly out there looking at the market. Uh, four point guard and Larry, you know, we've been covering this team for many, many years, Larry. <laughs> we know over the past decade or more, uh, the Knicks have been searching for a long-term answer at that position and have yet to find Jeez. it. And so I do think as the trade deadline approaches on February 10th, obviously there's rumors about Jalen Brunson of the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Uh, will the Mavericks, Mavericks extend him? If not, they may look, look to move him, and he's certainly on the Knicks' radar. Uh, but they, I think they do need someone uh, who's going to stabilize that position with the uncertainty of Kimber Walker's knees and, of course, Derek Rose at his age coming back from an ankle surgery. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what they do, what other moves they make. And, you know, listen, knowing the Knicks, Cam Reddish may not be an issue because he might be involved in who they flip to get a point guard, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, again, I I think it's a smart move because you are building assets. And then you look at the Knicks, I mean, they have some appealing young players. Uh, Quentin Grimes is showing that, you know, he's going to be a player in this league. Uh, You do have quickly. Uh, You know, even R.J. Barrett. You know, it's interesting, Larry. I, I was I was going back. If we, you know, rewind 13 months ago, uh, Tom Thibodeau, who has been an assistant in the NBA since 1989, he was associate head coach uh, under Doc Rivers for the Boston Celtics 2008 championship team. On that team, you had Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pitts, three Hall of Famers, and Rajon Rondo, who's one of the best point guards of his era. For the seven, eight-year span, he was one of the best point guards in the league. Tom Thibodeau knows what a championship team looks like. And 13 months ago, 
when Giannis signed, Anthony Cooper signed his $228, $228 million max extension, the, Knicks, the, the season started December 23rd last year, Larry. That was the first game, of course. Mm-hmm. The, the opening was delayed. And a week before that, when Giannis signed the contract, Tom Thibodeau said, in order to win in this league and to be a championship team, you have to have superstar players. You have to have franchise players. And I think he was absolutely correct. And I think in many ways, you know, that's a message to, uh, you know, Leon Rose and uh, William Wesley and those who make those decisions that this team is going to have to significantly upgrade their roster to be a championship contender. Right now, they have a solid roster. They're looking like they're going to be maybe a playing team because if they don't get up to the six seed, we know seven, eight, nine, and ten are the are the player are the playing tournament teams. And so it's about sustained success and building a team that can ultimately compete for a championship. And to do that, Larry, as you well know, you're going to have to get superstar players in this league. Giannis went on to lead the Bucks to the championship last year. He did that with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. If you look around the league, Larry, all the championship contenders have three Hall of Fame caliber players, three all-star players, and Milwaukee's place have a transcendent player in Giannis. So clearly this team is going to have to long-term upgrade, significantly upgrade the talent, get those types of players to complete at, to compete at the highest levels in this league. No question about it, Jamie. All you have to do is look in Brooklyn. <laughs> you don't have to look far. They tell you right Absolutely. there. That's what you have look to do. No further. That's what you have to do. Jamie, my friend, always a pleasure. Great job. Great information as always. We'll be reading you on the Amsterdam News, and we'll talk soon, my friend. I appreciate that, Larry. Thank you, man. All right. Take care. That's Jamie Harris. You see, it's the drive on 98.7 ESPN. On 98.7. Taking your phone calls at 1-800-919-3776. Fred Warner, that's a tough injury. When you, There have been, and I'll get back to the calls in a second, as Dallas drives closer to try to put life back into there and make this a one-possession game, one-score game. Um, I remember in the garden, and Nick fans will remember this, when Doc Rivers hurt his knee and you could hear him moan all the way upstairs where the media sits. That's how much in pain he was for that injury. And it just looked like that with Fred Warner as Dak Prescott has the five-yard run for the touchdown to bring Dallas ever closer. So, um, hope he's okay. Five plays, 28 yards, 23-16, point after pending. And it's so funny because on Twitter now, everybody's saying, <laughs> Jimmy, G's always, Jimmy G always throws that bad pick. Hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off. Run, 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 run the clock, run the clock, run the clock. So now the question becomes, right, what does what will the Niners do offensively now? Okay, that's the question. Will they be conservative now? If you're Dallas, do you put 10 men in the box? Nine men in the box? 
because you expect them to want to run the football, to take the ball out of Jimmy G's hands right now? This is very interesting. This is very interesting to see the philosophy of this Niners team going forward. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Hi, Larry. Hey, Richard. Larry, do you, do you, know, do you know the score of the St. John's-Georgetown game? Uh, I will give it to you in a second. You go ahead. I'll give it to you. But, you know, St. John's, Larry, in 40 years, I've never seen this. I was reading these point spreads. Ten-and-a-half mm-hmm. point favorite against Georgetown. When did you think you'd ever see something like that? I didn't. Wow. Ten-and-a-half uh, point. St. John's won 88-69. Okay, good. And they played the game at St. John's. No more garden for those two. You remember those days? Yeah, that's wow. right. I think they were at the garden, oh. though. They were at the garden today. Oh, they did play the garden. Yeah, they oh, were at good. the garden today, yes. Ah. Mm-hmm. Larry, yes. that game I watched yesterday and today, or the Philadelphia game, the uh, New England game in the Philadelphia, I thought yeah. I was watching the Jets and the Giants. <laughs> I mean, that's how big. And I'm telling you this. Belichick, yeah. I don't know why this guy doesn't get hit just like Phil Jackson did. Every year that Belichick goes and produces teams like this, that perform Mm -hmm. like this in the playoffs, or not make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. I think he's taking a hit to his legacy, and I don't hear anybody talking about it. They're talking about like he's some sort of genius. If he was so smart, he would have kept Brady there. Won him six Super Bowls, he'd be winning one or two more. I mean, what's the difference between Belichick letting go of a guy like Brady with one or two championships at least left in the tank, and someone like Gettleman, who took Saquon Barkley as a number two pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you ask me, if Brady is going to perform like this for five years, you as a Giant fan, wouldn't you have been settled, if, settled for someone like Saquon Barkley performing like Brady is performing now for five years? Yeah, probably so. Yeah. yeah probably so. So I, I don't understand why uh, nobody's talking. They're still talking with reverence to a Belichick. I think he takes a tremendous hit. I think it's going to be almost as much as Phil Jackson. That's in my opinion. I don't think the news media, I think he gets a pass because of what he accomplished. But Phil Jackson didn't get a pass because he destroyed all his goodwill after the five years or the four years he was with the Knicks, three and a half years, whatever it was. You're right, so Richard, but on know, the other side, little... you're, you're right, but on the other side, Belichick still made the playoffs. Knicks were not even a 500 team under Jackson. Larry, Larry. You, did you see a game? 37 points in 70-degree weather. I did. That's got to be a record, Larry. There's never been an NFL team that scored 47 nope. points in 7-degree or less weather. That's going to be a record, a, Larry. There's never been a team to score seven straight touchdowns on seven consecutive drives. Well, in 7-degree weather. Yep. Take that to the bank, okay? Yeah. You And a team that got 500 yards in 7-degree weather? They were going up and down. I thought I was watching the Jets and the Giants yesterday. That's how non-competitive that game was. Yeah, they never had a chance. Yeah, that was disappointing. I mean, I settled back to watch a nice, great football game like that that Thursday night game when uh, you know New England only threw three times. I was expecting something like that. That game was awful last night, and I think Belichick's lost it. I don't think he'll ever recover. And every year, Larry, that goes by. I think, I mean, you know, I don't know why the news news newscasters, the media, they give him a pass as if he's still a genius. I don't think he's a genius. Well, I'll say this, Richard, and thanks for the phone call. You you make some, you make as Michael K would say, you make some salient points. But I just think the bottom line is that you look and and look. Let's face it, he's they spend a lot of money now. Let's talk about that side of it. Last year in free agency, they spent a ton of money to try to make sure they get back and fill up their roster. 
But for them to be able to do what they did with a rookie quarterback, none of the rookie quarterbacks played well this year. I mean, think about it. Zach Wilson didn't play well. Trevor Lawrence didn't play well. Justin Fields didn't play well. So you give the, that's why Belichick gets the gets the nod. All right, he gets the benefit of the doubt because he's had the success. No question. Now, yeah, like I said, as as we talked earlier, defensively, because he's the defensive guy there, he takes a big hit yesterday. He does. He has to. He has to. I mean, you couldn't stop him seven consecutive drives. They score. I mean, that's unheard of in the postseason. It's unheard of. So, yeah, he'll take a hit there. There's no question about it. But his team got there with a rookie quarterback and was flirting with being at the top of the division for a couple of weeks. So that's why he continues to get, you know, the positive press that he does. Gets the respect. He gets the benefit of the doubt. Because he's had so much success, he's not killed as much for his um, for his faults and his failures. And while I understand what you're saying, it's you can't compare him to Phil Jackson. You can't. Because his, team, his teams were still able to win games. San Francisco is trying to give this game away. They have now just fumbled again. And now they've given up the ball at their own. Let's see. Is this incomplete? Oh, this is incomplete. It bounced. He, didn't, he never had it. Okay. So it hits the ground. So forget the fumble. They got lucky. Because if he because if it doesn't, if it if he does hit the ground, he fumbled that ball and Dallas recovered it on the Niner, would have been the Niner 38, 39 yard line. And they would have been ready, they would have been riding that momentum right back there to to, to take the lead. So Niners have to be careful. This throwing the ball, this you know, that's why this is this is what separates, right, your real, real good quarterbacks when you get to the postseason like this. Because right now, the Niners, are they're concerned. They know that it's third and seven. You can't run here. They have to throw. And now here's another flag. But they really, really don't want to throw. <laughs> Because they're concerned. And now they the Niners are concerned about Garoppolo. They don't have a they really don't have confidence in this quarterback. After the turnover he had to make sure that he doesn't. Oh, there's the move. 75 move. So that's so now it's third and twelve. So obviously Dallas is going to bring the house. And this is a very here's a play where you can't turn the ball over. All you want to do is make sure you punt. Punting is not bad here. Punt the ball deep, turn it over to your defense, and have them make some plays. Oh. Did he listen to me, JP? Did he listen to me? All right, there may be a flag. I see a flag here. But he threw it right in the middle of the field in double coverage. The ball pops in the air, and one of the players in Dallas, Hooker, almost has it. Okay, but it's going to be a penalty on the Cowboys, so it'll be a first down.
Drive on 987 ESPN. Put your hands up. Well, we've come down to it. We've come down to this is what make, this is what makes playoff football, right? Wild card weekend is all on the line. Dallas now on their 17? No. 16 yard line. And they've got to go the length of the field to try to win this game. And listen, if you're the Niners, the penalties are just what's going on with that. But on the other side, uh, that's what you do. You punt the you punt the ball and you put your defense on the field and you tell them, make some plays. Simple. Make some plays. And when you get it back, it's about running the football if you want to win this game. All right? And right now, what the, what the Niners have to do is get off the field on third down. All right? If they don't, you build that momentum with Dallas and give them an opportunity. And I think what they've done, oh, it's a great great pass play. Here's a big play to that to the tight end Schultz. And I think what they've done, and give the Niners credit, what they've done is they've kept Dak from running the ball. Okay, they've kind of they, they've they've made their perimeter alignment where they've they've contained, they've maintained their passing lanes, rush lanes. And so what they've done is, uh, you know, they've kept them from killing them with big runs, but they just made a big pass play, and they're already now in Niner territory. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. As Dak Prescott, listen, uh, his interception and the score right after by the Niners is the difference in this game, and now he's about to get sacked. But he held on to the football, didn't just throw it away, didn't just throw it up for grabs as we approach uh, the two-minute warning here in the fourth quarter. So it is going to be interesting. Uh, as I mentioned, Jay Bromley will join us at the top of the hour and we'll get his thoughts. But this game tonight, the 8 o'clock game, with Kansas City and Pittsburgh is... On paper, it looks like it's going to be kind of like Tampa and Philly. <laughs> Hopefully not like Buffalo and New England, but kind of like Tampa and Philly. Because you, how how is Philly winning this game? They their offensive line does not allow them to run the ball enough. Okay, where you could get a couple of pass plays from Roethlisberger, right? Some runs and kind of you know make it where you eat, where you keep KC's offense off off the field, right? By running the ball and short pass plays, and you know, just 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 taking the just keeping the ball, just keeping the ball, running the football, and they really don't do the offensive. They they can't run the ball, so that's been one of their challenges defensively. Listen, Pittsburgh is always decent defensively. Why? Because they play physical football. That's what they do. That's what they hang their hat on. That's been their identity, going back to uh, Mean Joe Green, Early Holmes, Dwight White. Uh, you know, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, and those great teams of the 70s. That, that's been, you know, that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers' identity is. It's a running, it's a physical team offensively and defensively. And over the years, the past couple of years, they've become a wide receiver university, right? Where they just manufacture great, talented wide receivers with speed and great hands. And that's what they've done. I mean, the list is endless, Okay. 
but unfortunately, the physicality of their offensive line, they've not been able to replace that consistently. And so when you're facing a team like Kansas City, who, uh, and you give Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and the crew their props, because they've made that adjustment, right? They've, they've made people, defenses took away the quick strike from them. They make them, they make them have to march down the field. If you want to win, you're going to have to move the ball down the field. We're not allowing you to go 80 yards to Tyreek Hill and score. You're not going to be, uh, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the grass version of the fastest team on turf, <laughs> 2.0. You think that's not what you're going to be. You're going to have to work and march this ball down the field. And so they've done that. All right, Patrick Mahomes has made the adjustment. And, of course, you know, the tight end is phenomenal. Wide receiver is phenomenal. Running game's been inconsistent. Um, but still, they've been able to do some things. And the defense has played better. Is it a lights-out defense? Third and 11 for the Cowboys. Is it a lights-out defense? No, it's not a lights-out defense. But it's a defense that has played better. And it's a defense that has found ways to get off the field on third down. It's a defense that has found ways under Steve Spagnolo to get pressure on the quarterback. It's a defense that has done some things, okay, where they can be effective. It's an incompleted pass, and we have a flag. Let's see what the flag is on. And the flag appears to be on Dallas. But you know, fourth down, they got to go for it anyway, obviously. Unless they think they're going to kick and get it get it right back. I mean, you know, we'll see. It's a holding call, so it's going to be uh, – and the penalties declined. As rightfully, why would you take it? Okay? So, which um, would give them another down. So, it's fourth down. they got to make it. It's fourth and 11. Let's see what they can do. The game's right here. So, that's what – so, you don't if, – if it's Roethlisberger of five years ago, six years ago – and an offensive line that's able to run the football, okay, you give them a better shot. But this is a Roethlisberger that, um, you know, let's face it, has oh, almost, it was incomplete. I think he ran the wrong, he turned the wrong way. He almost had a play at that. Wilson almost had a play. Prescott did as much, hung around as long as he could. But, uh, all right, so now, all the Niners have to do is uh, hold on to the football. And they will be advancing. So that's you would have a better feel for this game. But, I, you know, and anything can happen. It's the NFL. Okay. Oh. It's the NFL. He had to make an adjustment. Wilson just off his fingertips. It's unbelievable. Almost made a great play. Almost made a great play. Um, so that's why I, I don't think you – I don't see Pittsburgh winning this game. I mean, I don't. Um, Roethlisberger has been really kind of a sitting duck. He's not, he's not been the physical guy that you used to look at. You just marvel that he used to shed tackles, tacklers and just, you know, <laughs> just, do what he, just do what he did, right? He's like trying to ta – I remember talking to uh, Jet players over the years, right, the David Harris's and, you know, some of the other linebackers that the Jets have had. And talking about, you know, tackling him is like tackling myself. It's like we're tackling a, a linebacker in there. It's not your, you know, prototypical quarterback. Real physical, you know, stands up tall, and, and you try to bring him down, and it just, just doesn't happen. So uh, he, it's not that Ben Roethlisberger now. This is a guy, you know, up in age. Uh, this could be his last game, uh, you know, and, you know, he's happy to be in the postseason. But I, I, I really don't see a way that Pittsburgh 
wins this game. Unless they jump out to an early lead, okay? And, you know, Kansas City has one of those games where they where Pittsburgh puts a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, forces him to make some plays, make some, forces him into some turnovers, and they're able to, you know, take advantage of that. You know, then, of course, obviously, there's a possibility. Like I said, there's always a possibility, but it will be hard-pressed for, for me to see just off the top that that's what happens, that, you know, Kansas City uh, loses to Pittsburgh in that way. The other issue, the other game that we've got coming up is a holding penalty on the Cowboys. What is – you know what? How many penalties have the Cowboys had today? They've got this one on Randy Gregory. How many penalties? They, the penalties have just killed them. It's killed them. It's killed big plays for them. It's prolonged plays. Um, kept them from getting off the field it, defensively. It's been just an issue. It really has. It really, 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 really has. And that's what's and that. And when they look back at why they lost this game, that's what it is. It's gonna be penalties. It's gonna be penalties. It really is. Fourteen penalties. You, I'm, look, here's the cliches, right? You can't have 14 penalties in the playoff game and expect to win. You just can't. You just can't. It's too hard. It's too hard. You can't do it. You can't do it. Uh, tomorrow night, and once again, we'll talk more about this with uh, Jay Bromley at the top of the hour. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, Rams-Arizona Cardinals game. I am. I, I'm curious to see what the emotional... Uh, if J.J. Watt's going to be able to go, how much he'll be able to give them, what emotion that brings to the defense. Uh, Kyler Murray, I'm interested to see what he's able to do. And listen, from the Rams' standpoint, their defense, I mean, Aaron Donald and crew, this is what it's about, okay? Can, can, that, can that Arizona secondary find ways to take Cooper Cup away from the offense of, of, of the Rams? Because he's the guy, listen, he's he's the big play guy there. All right? He's the big play guy. They have to find a way to take him out of the of the process. Otherwise, they're not winning that game. Will the Rams be able to find a way, okay? Will they be able to find a way to run the ball? Okay, that would be fascinating. Will they be able to find a way to run the ball? Right? That's going to be the question. It's going to be the question. So today, all right, so as as it is right this second, Green Bay would face San Francisco. And Tampa would face the winner of the Rams and Arizona tomorrow. If the score stays the way it is. That's how it would go. Okay. And it's uh, minute 20, minute 21. It's third down. So, listen, Dallas still has a shot. Dallas has called the timeout. They need to stop them here on third down, get the ball back, and they have another opportunity to get the win. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number three. 
weekend wild card edition of The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you for joining us at 1-800-919-3776. Here with you till 9. A little uh, Cheche La Femme to get you going in the last hour. Boy, I got to tell you, I, I can't wait to talk to you at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at hardest to ESPN at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. And of course, can't wait to talk to Jay Bromley, who joins us, the former Giant, to get his thoughts. And Jay, first of all, Happy New Year. Good to talk to you, my friend. Happy New Year, Larry, man. Thank you for having me. My Happy pleasure. Happy New Year. Jay, you've been in these games. How do you explain all the penalties in a playoff game like this? 14 by the Cowboys and a couple by the Niners that almost cost them this game. Uh, penalties, man, they're part of the game. Obviously, you know, you you know the, the referees, you don't want them to really take hold of the game and really, um, you know, just kind of adjust the way the game is played. But it was some poor penalties, man. Holding, some calls you got to call. You know, we love games where refs let people play. But some things are, you know, you know, outside the lines of letting people play, grabbing people outside their shoulders and things of that nature. So as fans, you hate it because it, it helps declare the game. But as a team that's the beneficiary, like the San Francisco 49ers, you, you kind of love them. <laughs> Jay, take me through this game. What were some of the things that, that jumped out at you as you watched it today? Interestingly, man, I had some conversations with some people this week that were, you know, on the Cowboys bandwagon. And, um, you know, and I said, I was like one of the only lone voices. Like, hey, man, San Francisco, man, I, I play for them. They, they have a chance, more than a chance, um, because of the way they run the ball. And uh, Debo Samuel being just dynamic in both the run game and the, you know, the passing game. So, you know, Shanahan does a great job of just spreading out defenses. And, um, you know, Dallas really couldn't do much. Dak Prescott didn't get the ball to his playmakers enough. You know, so therefore they didn't, they didn't score enough points. They didn't have opportunities to. And when you look at Dallas's run game, they got a thousand, almost two thousand yard rushers, and they they rush for less than a hundred yards. They didn't get the ball enough either. So I see that as playing a big part in why they didn't do well. Let's talk a lot about what the Niners were able to do defensively, Jay, because. One thing I thought they did very well was they really contained the rush. They stayed in their lanes. They didn't let Zach Prescott roll outside and beat them as he can do with the run. Uh, and they were they they did a nice job on the receivers. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. Um, keeping Dak, Dak Prescott in the pocket. When you're facing a quarterback like Dak, you're not overly worried about him running the ball because he's not known for that. But he's obviously elusive enough to to make some plays here and there. But like you said, that, that pressure from, you know, San Francisco's front four, that was one of the key components when it comes to playoff, you know, football. Can your front four, you know, disrupt the passer? That affects the secondary. That affects the outcome of the game. And it shows. Now, Jimmy G, uh, you, you've heard what people say about him. <laughs> he, he's really good quarterback, but he can throw a pick at the worst possible times. He did that today. Uh, and when you're running the ball the way that the Niners have been able to run the football, Jay, you kind of you want to second guess and say, yeah, I know what you want to do. You want to be versatile, but if, if you can run the ball and Dallas really hasn't shown they can consistently stop it, why stop running? 100%. Um, like you said, uh, Jimmy G is a guy that kind of bang a bust most times. And him, interestingly enough, they win with him being average. You know, if they run the ball well, they win with him being an average because of their defense, because of Kyle Shanahan being able to kind of hide him with some of the scheme that they run, with that outside zone scheme, with, you 
know, manipulating the defense and getting them out leveraged with the in and arounds with the, with the receivers. So, and making Jimmy have to, you know, make easier throws. So Kyle Shanahan does a great job of kind of hiding Jimmy. If they don't get in a, a track meet of a game, the 49ers are always in it. Jay Bromley is my guest. He's breaking down wild card weekend. You're listening to The Drive here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Jay, let's talk about the first game today, uh, which was Tampa and Philly. And listen, going in, you kind of had the feeling that it was going to be Tampa's day. Uh, you were interested to see how Tom Brady was going to find a way to, you know, be successful with a lot of his weapons missing. He's got two receivers down. He's got two running backs down. Uh, give me your thoughts on Tampa's offense today. Again, Tom Brady. Once you have 12 men, you have an opportunity to win. Um, what, what, you know, what the Patriots always showed you that they never needed big-time receivers to, to win games. Why? That's because they had 12. And it shows that with the Buccaneers. It, it's weird. It kind of goes from having all these weapons from Antonio Brown and Mike Evans to, you know what I'm saying, all these different weapons. Now you're saying, oh, he doesn't have as many weapons, but he's still making plays happen. Why? He's used to not having great weapons. You know what I'm saying? So Tom is like, hey, man, this feels like, you know, New England all over again. But obviously with different play calling. So Tom is efficient. He showed great efficiency today. Um, the run game helped out a lot, always helps out the play action. And they have a great, you know, defense, you know, ran by Todd Bowles that always puts them in good position. Now, I realize I'm talking to a former outstanding defensive lineman in the National Football League, but don't hit me when I ask you. When I look at this Tampa defense today, is it as good as it is, or am I looking at the fact that really Jalen Hurts is a guy that if you can keep him in front of you from running, unlike what we were talking about okay, earlier in, in this game with Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts is a guy that relies on his legs. You kind of want him to throw the football. So am I looking at this defense, is it great Tampa or eh, Philadelphia Eagles offense? I think you got to give them their roses when it's due. Um, you're going to face different offenses depending on the team. So if you're facing, uh, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, you knew coming into the game that they were the number one ranked um, rushing defense, rushing offense. So you knew that if you stopped their rush, that it, it set up everything for you to be successful when it came to rushing the passer because of their offensive line issues and because Jalen Hurts didn't let go of the ball today. He, he had people open. He misreads. And then he, he, he just missed people out in the open. So I think you got to give the roses to the defense for really, you know, getting after them. They only had a couple sacks today, but so that they didn't really sack him a whole bunch, but they hit him, they disrupted him, they made him think twice about coverages. And sometimes it's not about sacks, it's about getting in your opponent's head. And that extra half a second it takes for them to read that throw is all you need. Jay, how good are the Cincinnati Bengals? Can they go, are they done, or can they? you know, make, make surprise a couple of folks and end up representing the AFC. Ooh, Cincinnati is a tough team. Uh, they are a tough team right now. They have probably one of the best young quarterbacks in Joe Burrow. They have probably one of the top three receiving cores in the league and offensive line that's playing pretty well right now. They have a, a top 10 running back. It's, it's really clicking on all cylinders. The biggest thing for Cincinnati going down is really can their defense hold up? Can they stop the run? Can they get after the pass, especially with injuries? You know, Trey Hendrickson is fantastic, and, and they have some really good pass rushes. But if they can stay healthy, they can be disruptive. But if not, that would be the, the biggest thing to watch is their defense and how they hold up against the run versus some teams that become, when it gets colder and colder, and it becomes a bigger part of the game. Jay, I mean, I've watched Buffalo uh, and their little battle this year with New England. It's been interesting. But last night, was just, I've never seen 
an offense roll on the Bill Belichick defense like Buffalo did last night. I mean, New England looked like they didn't even want to play defensively, Jay. Oh, yeah. Uh, New England was in one of those situations where they, they didn't get off the bus. One of those kind of, <laughs> one of, those kind of things. They, they really didn't get off the bus. And it's interesting, as a, as a defensive lineman, as a defensive player, I watch the game and I love watching defensive lines. It tells me a lot when I watch the defensive line and I think they're rushing the passer or not. And in my opinion, they weren't really doing that. You know, especially their, their highest ranked one is Judon. I didn't really see him being, you know, aggressive in trying to get after the quarterback. And obviously that's one individual that's an entire defense, you know, that, that made some mistakes. But honestly, you got to give your, you know, the kudos to Buffalo for making plays. Um, Josh Allen for being excellent. He only missed four passes. He had more touchdown passes than incompletions. And then they ran the ball, you know, all day. So it was just a pretty much you, you burned that tape. You never see that tape again. <laughs> oh, man. And on both sides, right? Because offensively, you kind of don't want your offense to think it's going to be that easy either. You kind of you don't want them to see the tape either, right? <laughs> You know they might watch it a little bit more than the defense, right? They might, <laughs> they might, they might want to take a couple, a couple peeks at it for confidence. You know, it, at least that's going to push you to to see what you're capable of, right? And then obviously there's things that at least those four throws that there's always something to be gained from. Um, but you know when you get blown out like that, and I know Bill Belichick is big on preparation and dissecting the quarterback and the teams. And the last time these teams played, he only threw the ball like four or five times, right? But yep. he knew that wasn't going to happen this game. They were going to take him out of that. They were going to make Matt Jones do something to win. And when they did, he couldn't do it. No, he didn't. All right, let's put uh, – give me what uh, is going to be the keys to this game that's coming up with Pittsburgh and Kansas City. I, look, on paper, this doesn't – this could be like the Tampa game earlier today, right, on paper because Pittsburgh has been unable to run the football. And I think for you to keep a high-powered offense off the field – you got to be able to make some plays, run the football, have some short passes, try to get long drives to try to make it, try to shorten the game for, for to keep your, your defense and their offense off the field. What do you think we can expect from Pittsburgh tonight? Pittsburgh defense has to establish itself in stopping the run so that they don't give Patrick Holmes and the Kansas City Chiefs a two-way go, meaning you can't give up run plays that, you know, allow play action to become a large part of the game and then have probably the best quarterback, if not top two quarterback in the world, uh, be able to throw to the weapons that he has on the outside and Travis Kelsey on the inside. So I think this game, it could get out of hand early if the defense is kind of knocked back on their heels early. Because I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers have the offensive firepower, barring mistakes. Because one thing you do know about Kansas City, Steve Spagnola is a banger bust um, defensive <laughs> coordinator, meaning he knows Roethlisberger's been in the league what, 15, 60 years, however long it's been, he's not going to sit back in coverage and let Roethlisberger pick him apart because I don't care what you think of Roethlisberger, he is still a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. So he can get the job done if you give him time. Steve is going to blitz him, all-out blitzes, fire zone blitzes all day long. And if those coverages bust, you'll see big plays happen. Let's, all right, now give me your thoughts about tomorrow night. We've got uh... – Arizona and and the Rams. This should be a good one. Now this is a rematch. They met a couple of weeks ago. I, I got to admit, Jay, I, I've become a fan of Kyler Murray. I love what he's able to do with expand, extending plays and running, extending the offense, getting his getting his guys a chance to get open downfield. Uh, and I have I've got a lot of respect for their secondary too. I think this is going to be closer than some people think. 
Oh, a hundred percent. I don't think it's, I don't think just by looking at the paperwork that that's a blowout by any means. I think this is probably one of the more evenly matched teams and games of this wild card weekend. Um, like you said, if you had to go, you know, position by position, you lean towards Kyler Murray when it comes to the quarterback situation. When it comes to the receiving core, um, I don't know if Hopkins is back, right? If he is, then maybe you lean towards the Cardinals. But if not, then you got you still got the best wide receiver in the league in Cooper Cup, and you got Odell Beckham Jr., who's a play waiting to happen, right? So, and and obviously in L.A., if they they really want to get the run game and just play off that play action all they can, so. I think it really comes down to defense, man. Playoffs always boil down to defenses. Can you stop the run and can you affect the quarterback? It's going to be much more difficult to stop Kyler Murray than it is going to be to stop the LA Rams quarterback because he is more stagnant. You know, he, he, uh, he stays in the pocket way more. Kyler Murray, he can make plays down the field because he'll get people out of position by scrambling, making defenses plaster, and just making people make conscious decisions that they don't really want to make. Jay, uh, break down these two defenses for me because these are two of the best in in the Rams and, uh, uh, and the Cardinals. Star-studded. Star-studded, man. Star-studded. You look at L.A., man, it's, it's all that L.A. is. The superstars everywhere, Von Miller, you know, Aaron Donald, Leonard. You know, you got – then you obviously just have the secondary of Ramsey, and they have really good corners and, and safeties that can step up and make plays and just sign back Eric Weddle. Um, so, uh, obviously, a super veteran in the game. So, that defense is stacked at all levels. Um, so, it really comes down to, hey, you, are you going to stop Aaron Donald or are you going to let, let him wreck the game? If you let him wreck the game, then it's going to be a long day. Um, or do you run away from him, right? Or you double-team him, then obviously other people are open. As far as the Cardinals, obviously, if J.J. Watt is back, how healthy is he really? Mm-hmm. That's a question you got to ask yourself. I know when he was healthy, he made plays, he was getting pressures. It wasn't always ending up in sacks, but he was – positively affecting his team and the other teams negatively. So how healthy is J.J. Watt really? Chandler Jones is by far one of the best, if not the best, edge rusher in the National Football League. So he's always someone you have to look out for. So look for him to have a great impact on this game. And obviously you got Buda Baker in the secondary. You have you have good secondary for the Cardinals. I Like I said earlier, this is one of the more evenly matched games I feel like on the schedule. So this one can kind of go either way, but depending on – you know, turnovers and things of that nature. Jay, you set us up for it. We're going to be watching this one, and I'm going to let you go so you can watch the game as well. Listen, my friend, always good talking to you. Thanks for breaking it down for us. Great job as always. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate you having me. All right, no problem. That's Jay Bromley, former NFL defensive lineman. Uh, Always breaks it down. Does a nice job. This is 98.7 ESPN.